Hello everyone and welcome to the second series of Shelf Concerns, the podcast from the English Department at the University of Northampton. My name is Claire Allen, uh, I am Programme Leader for English and I'm joined today by David Simmons who is a Senior Lecturer in English at the University of Northampton as well as being Programme Leader on Film and Screen Studies. Hello David. Hi, thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for joining us. So today what we're going to do is a Halloween special. Um, Halloween is upon us and we thought we'd take some time to think about horror fiction and horror literature and why we love reading books that scare us. So David, tell me, what's your favourite horror book? Um, so that's quite a difficult question. Uh, I'm someone who's written um, and sort of researched about horror fiction um, and uh, lots of different kinds of horror fiction from sort of early 20th century stuff up to more recent contemporary um, texts. So it's a difficult proposition to choose just one text as my favourite. Um, but having said that, I uh, have managed to, to narrow it down um, to one particular novel that I'm a big uh, fan of and I think anyone who hasn't read um, this novel and is into their horror, their kind of gothic fiction um, should sort of rush out and get hold of a copy of this and, and read it uh, straight away. And that novel is Shirley Jackson's The Haunting of Hill House. Um, and this uh, was originally published in 1959. Jackson is becoming, I guess, more of a well-known author. Um, for a long time, she was sort of best known for her short story, The Lottery, um, which is often taught in American high schools and it certainly sort of has its own um, kind of horror elements to it. Um, but yeah, she's becoming a bit more uh, well-known now, um, certainly in sort of academic circles and in genre circles as well. There's a really interesting um, sort of mid-century uh, female horror gothic writer, um, well, writer full stop really. Uh, and The Haunting of Hill House is probably her most overtly gothic um, text. Um, and, uh, you know, the text out of her oeuvre that is most recognised, most uh, sort of beloved, I guess, by um, other horror aficionados. Um, so it's been called variously the most influential horror novel of the 20th century, um, the greatest haunted house story ever written. Um, Neil Gaiman uh, called it the scariest book he'd ever read. Um, so it's had uh, many plaudits um, from people sort of working in or, or familiar with the field of horror and gothic fiction. Oh, okay, so that sounds like a really significant text. So can you tell us a little bit about why you like that book in particular? Yeah, so um, I guess I'm interested in uh, sort of haunted house narratives, and this is perhaps the best or certainly amongst the best haunted house narratives uh, published in the 20th century. Um, it tells the story 
of uh, what has now become a kind of quite an archetypal setup um, of uh, a bunch of characters who are ostensibly led by Professor John Montague, um, who's, uh, as his title suggests, a sort of academic with an interest in the supernatural. Um, he is uh, sort of interested in testing out how the supernatural works. Um, he does believe in a, in a kind of divergence from uh, many of these sorts of stories. He does actually believe um, that the house in question is or haunted. He, he refers to the evil uh, of the house itself. However, um, in keeping with lots of other sort of professor type figures in horror fiction, um, he still has that kind of arrogance whereby he thinks that his, his sort of rational, quasi-scientific, empirical uh, approach to things will enable him to conquer the irrational fears uh, of other people that have been sort of associated with the house, attempted to stay in the house. And he, he kind of calls together, uh, attempts to get together a bunch of other characters to test out um, or to take part in his uh, experiments in the house. And, and amongst these are uh, the somewhat sort of caddish nephew of the house's owners. Um, there's also Theodora, uh, an artist who's kind of coded as gay. Um, there's his wife turns up at one point. Um, and the, the central character of the novel, um, the focus of, of much of the novel really, is the character of Eleanor Vance, who's, I think, a, a really interesting character, a really kind of well um, sketched out character uh, by Jackson. Um, she's a 32-year-old um, sort of socially uh, uneasy loner um, who up until I think it is a, a month or a couple of months before the narrative starts, she's been essentially looking after her invalid mother um, for the last 10, 11 years. Um, and this has been her life, really. All this has been kind of certainly the majority of her adult life, looking after her mother. And we get little snippets, uh, little sort of flashbacks or memories um, from Vance, from Elna, about her mother. Um, and it, it sort of transpires. We find out that her mother was a very domineering figure and, and kind of controlled much of Elna's uh, life up until this point. So... Um, as I say, she's passed away um, a couple of months before the start of the narrative. And Eleanor, uh, as we meet her, is, I guess, on the verge uh, of exploring what it is to be an adult, the possibilities of being an adult, the possibilities that come with being an adult, the free potential freedoms that come with being an adult um, post her mother's death. Um, and without... <laughs> without spoiling things too much, things perhaps don't go um, according to plan. Uh, Eleanor is, we quickly find out something of a, a sort of dreamer and an idealist. She's drawn towards the worlds of, of romance, of fairy tales, um, and she quickly becomes very entranced, very enthralled with the grandeur and the sort of history of Hill House. Um, and one of the, the kind of achievements, I think, of the text of, of the novel is the, 
the way in which Jackson manages to convey uh, Vance's dreamlike um, sort of thought processes and, and attitudes and approaches to uh, the world and to the experiences that she has. Um, and as the narrative progresses, um, the house, uh, there's a kind of degree of ambiguity around whether the house is really sentient, um, you know, whether, as Montague puts it, the evil is the house itself, or whether, you know, lots of this is it actually just in Eleanor's head. Um, but yeah, the house does seem to capitalise on Eleanor's sort of uh, state of mind, her uncertainties, her anxieties, um, uh, particularly sort of her anxieties about being 32 and being alone in the world, um, both in terms of not having romance in her life, but also not having other adult friends. Um, you know, she is this figure because of her past who's essentially kind of devoid of, of any sort of meaningful adult connections, adult friendships. Um, and the house seems to um, exploit this um, and communicate with her um, and, and sort of specifically with her as opposed to some of the other characters that are staying there uh, alongside her. And in the process, this sort of makes her feel special, makes her feel as though she does have a connection with someone or something, as the case may be. Um, and, um, uh, you know, I'm kind of conscious about not wanting to reveal too much about um, the, the story and how it, how it ends up. But uh, essentially, a sort of unbreakable bond, an unbreakable relationship is established between Eleanor and the house that has kind of um, fatal consequences uh, for a number of uh, those involved. It sounds like it's got all the ingredients um, for being absolutely terrifying there. I think you've given us a really, um, a really good oversight of what we could expect. Um, I'm, I'm a complete wuss. You know, I find Wuthering Heights terrifying. So um, I'm not sure I would uh, uh, be willing to give this one a go. You know, I think, I think it is uh, in that tradition of the um, sort of female gothic, uh, much as many um writers female writers who worked in particularly in the sort of ghost story um field uh in the early part of the 20th century i think this picks up on some of the themes and techniques of of those earlier writers and uh, in a in a sort of similar way um here one of the themes is sort of the connection between the domestic and the oppression or, or sort of repression of um of uh, women um uh but yeah i mean i think really the strength of the novel is is uh, the way in which it uses this concept this conceit of the haunted house to explore the horrors the anxieties in the minds of its characters most specifically um eleanor you know she's this really kind of interesting complex um you know worry strewn uh, individual who it's I think easy to relate to um, and uh, sort of that makes the, the story of what happens even more engrossing and perhaps disturbing as well. Mm, yeah I mean I was going to ask really I mean like you say you've you spend a lot of your time 
researching horror fiction, you know, both in the world of film and in, in the world of yeah. literature as well. So I guess, you know, why do you find this genre so appealing? And, and kind of a second part to that question, I guess, why do you think people like horror fiction? Why do we like reading things yeah. that frighten us? Yeah, I mean, I think there's a number of, of reasons why uh, I like horror, why other people like horror fiction or kind of in whatever form it might be. Um, and indeed, you know, num uh, numerous scholars have sort of written about this and come up with various theories, various explanations. I guess one of the, the more obvious explanations, um, albeit one that seems to hold true for lots of horror fans, uh is is the you know transgressive taboo quality of horror um so horror enables us enables audiences and readers to sort of vicariously explore vicariously uh engage with things that in our real lives we perhaps wouldn't want to engage or experience um or conversely you know, when it comes to something like death, things that we are going to encounter. Um, but, uh, you know, they sort of horror perhaps prepares us in some way um, for that encounter. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think there's this transgressive quality uh, that uh, sort of people are interested in, in sort of exploring um, in a quotation mark safe form on the page or on screen um, that uh, explains some of the interest. Um, and, and sort of linked to that, uh, horror and the gothic um, genres like this uh, sort of often enable uh, writers, filmmakers and, and um, readers and audiences to uh, talk about um, things in the real world, talk about sort of contemporary political and social issues uh, that might be difficult, might be slightly unpalatable, slightly uncomfortable um, to explore in a sort of more straightforward, realist manner. Um, so, I mean, you know, uh, The Haunting of Hill House, um, to a large extent, is exploring issues of mental health, uh, mental illness, um, and it does this in a way uh, married to this kind of gothic horror plot, uh, whereby you can sort of read the novel and um, and and have an entertaining time. You know, find it to be a sort of engrossing, uh, scary story, um, and and not really think about that. Uh, but by the end of it, I guess again, without wishing to give too much away, you've sort of been given quite a detailed insight into uh, the way that. Um, mental illness might work in, in a particular character's case and what that means for them, um, what the repercussions of that are. Um, so yeah, I think there's kind of a, a, a variety of different reasons there. Some people just like being graced out. Some people are in it for the kind of contemporary uh, social and political commentary. Um, some people kind of I guess, find some sort of comfort or some kind of catharsis in this vicarious uh, possibility of exploring um, otherwise transgressive and taboo uh, material or experiences or, um, or whatever it might be. Yeah, I think that's really interesting, isn't it? It's, we 
we can kind of test out ideas or explore kind of things about ourselves yeah. through imagining those stories and and at the same time i guess we're being entertained you know we, we like being frightened sometimes don't yeah. we and, and that goes back to the heart of kind of the job of literature it, it usually is there to kind of entertain you uh, but maybe kind of teach you in some way like to reveal something in some way um okay so just finally then david um do you want to just uh, tell us a little bit about your research so uh, you've recently had a book published on horror do you want to just kind of uh, tell us about that I have indeed, yep. So um, I have recently published, uh, I'm trying to remember the title of it, <laughs> Class and American Horror Fiction um, from Poe to Twilight, I think it's called. Uh, they don't, don't quote me on that. Um, with Powergrave Macmillan, available at all good bookstores and some probably not good bookstores as well. Um, and as the title of that suggests, I kind of set out to explore, partly because I'm, I'm someone who's uh, got a background in American literature, uh, specifically the relevance of class um, in American kind of gothic and horror fiction. And I chose class because uh, there's an increasing amount of writing on horror fiction and on gothic fiction. Um, and lots of uh, different approaches have been taken, particularly uh, aspects of gender have been looked at, um, as have sort of sexuality, psychoanalytical readings, things like this. But to my mind, uh, you know, to my knowledge, there is still a sort of lack of um, material out there, academic material looking at uh, the relevance of class. And this is something that I thought was very um, interesting and very relevant to many of the the sort of well-known and not so well-known um, horror texts out there. I mean, in an American context in particular, America likes to, or American governments, American politicians like to suggest that sort of class isn't a factor um, in American society, that it's this kind of democratic egalitarian um, place to, to live and grow up and work. Um, however, I think the reality for many Americans is is very different to that, and they sort of experience uh, the inequalities that are caused by a class system on a daily basis. And so partly um, what I attempt to do in the book is look at how horror, um, coming back to that idea of horror offering a sort of social and political commentary, um, how, how selected horror texts, uh, selected horror novels for the most part, um, explore this, explore this kind of discrepancy um, between America supposedly as a classless society, um, but, uh, you know, also many people experiencing uh, inequality that seems to be linked um, primarily to class uh, on a daily basis. Okay, brilliant. So thanks then for your recommendation of a, a piece of fiction we could look into. And yep. I guess if people want to find out more, they can always look up some of your academic work as well. And so lots of reading to do this spooky season. Yes, um, thanks for having me. I uh, hope everyone has a, a good Halloween out there. And uh, as you say, if someone does want um, to check out something that they're not familiar with, um, I well recommend strongly recommend The Haunting of Hill House. Brilliant. Thanks very much. Thanks, everyone. And tune in soon to the next episode of Shelf Concerns. Bye, David. Bye.